family matrix. Mirror, mirror on the wall, have I become my parents once and for all? Like it or not, it's become apparent that many of my daily actions, rituals, and tics are either inherited or the result of early indoctrination. For example, I often like being in my bed. In fact, <laughs> I'm in my bed right now, <laughs> reading this. But only recently have I realized why. I'll often invite people into my bedroom where we talk, watch TV, or even eat. While growing up, my dad's drinking tirades often took place in the living room or the kitchen, so when my mom was fed up, she'd retreat to her bedroom. Often, my siblings and I would join her there to talk softly or watch TV. So I wonder if I stay in my room now to feel safer or closer to my mom. In reflecting on how many of my rituals or daily routines have been passed down from my parents, I can't help thinking of the movie The Matrix. In the film, Keanu Reeves believes he's living a normal life. But then, like Alice falling down the rabbit hole, he gets sucked into an alternate reality. Eventually, Keanu's character comes to realize that the life he's living isn't real. It's an illusion. In fact, he and everyone else who think they're living their lives are actually asleep in pods that power the energy matrix, all that's left of the planet. What does any of this have to do with family? <laughs> to me, the movie is really about being asleep in our own lives and about going deep into our subconscious to find out what's really going on. I believe there are family matrices that claim all of us, each of us thinks we're living in our own world, but we're really actually living in the world of our parents. You may think it's you getting up at two in the morning to eat a peanut butter and banana sandwich, but it's actually your dad who used to do the same thing. Just as the Matrix was celebrated for its special effects, our family matrices display their own stunning effects. Case in point, the way that our parents, even after they're deceased, control our thoughts and actions. The Matrix dazzled with slow-action kung fu. Our parents also cast kind of a spell, giving us guilt trips. Go ahead. No matter how old you are, no matter how many miles away from home, just try to walk outside in cold weather with wet hair without hearing your mother's voice telling you, put a hat on or you'll die of pneumonia. Further proof of Family Matrix's special effects is that we never see our parents as they really are. They'll always be the giants who can scare away the monsters in our closets or save our lemonade stand by adding sugar to the lemonade to make it taste good. What illusionists! In the Matrix, the bad guys plant a high-tech tracking device in Keanu's body. Using a special instrument, the rebel forces are able to suck the bug right out. Unfortunately, I've yet to locate the chip our parents have put inside us. How did they take over our brains? Prepare yourself. I'm about to go deep into my own family's matrix. To do that, I'm going to take a day in my life and point out how many times the matrix subtly influences my actions. I'll start with waking up, because for the most part, sleeping doesn't come easy for me. I always feel cheated that I have to wake up. My dad was the same way, not a morning person. I head for the kitchen where I prepare my first cup of coffee. I like weak, overcreamed coffee, almost milk. I can hear my dad now complaining to my mom how weak his is. He called it piss water. As I look around the kitchen, I may start to quietly straighten things up like my mother did. Or I may throw things around like my dad. 
I can still hear him bellow out when he'd encounter a morning mess in the kitchen. Jeez, can't anyone put anything away? What, does this friggin' stuff climb out of the refrigerator in the middle of the night and sit on the counter? The cheese is as hard as a rock. But when my mother or one of my sisters would start cleaning up, we'd hear him protest, Don't throw that bread out. I don't care how hard it is. Dunk that in coffee, and you've got a gourmet meal on your hands. My dad was a big dunker in his day, and I followed in his path. Like him, I've been known to dip just about anything in coffee, from hard bread to tuna fish sandwiches. Also like him, I enjoy inventing special food combinations. I used to favor the center of a Susie Q as dip for potato chips. That is until one day when I heard the center is called spun lard, and that it's supposedly a gray substance dyed white. Crossing to the living room, I sit in my chair. Pity the hapless person who unknowingly tries to sit in my chair. And believe me, no one ever sat in my dad's chair. <laughs> At least without regretting it. To start the day, I'll read my paper and drink my coffee. But if someone dares to interrupt, I'll bark out to them in my dad's gruff morning voice. What do you want? What's the matter with you? Lord help the person who veered too close to dad's chair when he was in a mood. Beside my dad's chair was a table where he kept all his junk. Pens, papers, medicines, Kleenex, bills, prize word Pete puzzles he'd always fill out, hoping to win the cash prize. Beside my bed is a table cluttered with pens, papers, medicine, Kleenex, bills, and much of the same stuff my dad had. Since my dad fell asleep in the living room a lot, his chair was like his bed. Also in my bedroom are dresser drawers that hold books I'll never read, audio tapes I've already listened to, trinkets and baubles that might be valuable someday, and a velvet pouch containing a gold watch, turquoise pen, Truman button, and various other items I can't part with. My mother kept her drawers full the same way. She'd hold on to a cheap piece of jewelry because it had a special clasp on it, a pen that felt good in her hand, a book with nice binding. Louis? Feel the weight of this pen, and look how well the cover of this book is made. In her private moments, my mom would rummage through her stuff, as I sometimes do with my velvet bag. Heading out into the world, perhaps to get cigarettes, as my dad typically did, I find myself imitating his aggressive driving style. He used to drive as if silently chanting the mantra, I'm the only one on the road, and I'm the only one in the world. That was my dad. In his mind, the world didn't really exist without him, and why should it? In some way, he passed along that confidence to me. What makes driving with me even more perilous is that I sometimes find myself drifting off in thought, just as my mom did when she was reminded of her friend Shirley. My mom would get on the freeway, 20, 30, 40, 50, 40, 30, 20. She'd slow that car right down. Shirley lives in that building over there. Well, who's Shirley, Mom? Oh, you know her. She's got that crippled chihuahua. I had no idea who Shirley was. Mom, you're the worst driver in the world. Well, I've never had an accident, Louie. Well, take a look in the rearview mirror. With both my mom and dad swirling around in my head while I'm driving, it's amazing I'm still alive. I could go on. But I think you get my point regarding how much of my parents I carry with me each day, often without realizing it. 
Consciously or not, we all invite our parents along for the ride. So the question underlying our behavior is, is what we're doing truly self-generated, or is it a part of the family matrix? Sometimes, we call up the unseen forces of our family matrix. We may act a certain way so we can get our imaginary parents to respond to us. I have a friend who's always leaving the cupboard doors open. One day he realized he was doing that secretly, hoping his mother would come along and shut them. He was 42 and had his own family, and this behavior drove his wife crazy. Even so, she accepted her lot as her mother-in-law's stand-in and followed in her husband's wake, making sure those cupboards got closed. Then there's the woman who constantly criticized her husband about the way he gave the kids a bath, dragged home late from work, failed to make enough money. The complaints were endless, despite the fact that he was clearly trying the best he could. Eventually, she got her husband to ignore her just the way her emotionally distant father did when she was growing up. Why did she engage in such perverse behavior? To her, it was a reflex. By creating with her husband this echo of what had been her childhood experience, she secretly stayed close to her dad. That's the power of the family.